1: You know, everybody's got a to-do list. Drop off the dry cleaning, pick up some milk. Here's an idea. Let's add save hundreds of dollars on car insurance. And the good thing is you don't have to drop off or pick up anything. All you have to do is go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. Extra money in your pocket. It just may be the most rewarding to-do you do today.
0: Now Podcast One brings you Spikes Car Radio. A downloadable
1: Cars and Coffee, hosted by writer, comedian, and automotive enthusiast, Spike Ferriston. Now, here's Spike. Spike's Car Radio, you're listening. We're live to, what, disc, Will? Live to disc here in Beverly Hills on a uh, a Tuesday morning, very early in the morning. Zuckerman's here. He was late. He's uh, got some complaint about how I parked in the garage. Go ahead, give it to me. What do you Uh, have, Zuckerman? What did I do
0: wrong? You parked next to the handicap spot. Okay, and I believe that handicapped people are more likely to need a wide aperture, a wide door <laughs> aperture for ingress and egress, and <laughs> which increases the risk of a door ding. So
1: you were trying to protect me by telling you this. Oh, yes. Okay. What I did you I think s- I was going to do? Just I, I thought I, I had done something wrong. Well, you did. I, I see, but it's the Range Rover. Okay. I, I beat the crap out of that thing. You okay. know what happened to the Range Rover? You know what I noticed? It's a very weird thing. That truck has, uh, I, I think, a year of driving on it right now. Uh-huh. And I was out in the front with the kids throwing the football or something. And I'm looking at the back behind the wheels, behind the axle, and there's a big piece of plastic, uh, that, like this cover Under over, the, over the muffler. right? But it's hanging. It's pointing straight down. How does that happen? And I'm like, that doesn't look right. <laughs> right? So, you know, I... Get I get under the truck. Kids are like why aren't you playing football? I, got, I can't I can't throw a football <laughs> knowing that there's a big piece of plastic hanging off my new truck. And I get under and these two screws, two bolts actually, were missing. They, and and I'm looking at the thread and it goes pretty deep, like as deep as your as deep as your pinky. Look at your pinky and imagine that this is where that bolt goes into. So I'm like, that didn't just that didn't just unscrew on its own because of speed bumps. Somebody, somebody stole those. Somebody I don't
0: took they, them. Did someone stole them, or, you, or are they still drinking at the factory?
1: No. I. Well, here's, here's what I did, all right? Because I think the audience knows me at this point, and I think you know me a little bit, too. I, ca- I can't continue playing football with the kids until I fixed it. So I went into my garage, into my big bucket of screws and bolts that I keep like an old man, and I found two that worked perfectly and
0: validated you you must have felt terrific i
1: need and they were from old furniture you know when you put <laughs> put together ikea furniture and you need There's the extras. allen wrench they needed the allen wrench and i had two allen wrench folks That were like god i'm so glad i saved these i'm gonna be a hoarder years ago
0: years <laughs> ago steve levy who you know he bought a brand new range rover yep and there was a handprint Right in front of his eyes on the windscreen. And every time he took it, every time he took it to the car wash, that same handprint was there. And, he, and it made him enraged. He kept going back to the car wash. Will you get that handprint? Or will you clean? It turned out the handprint was sandwiched in between the two pieces of laminated windshield glass drinking at the factory.
1: Uh, uh, they had to change the windshield on that car. And that's what, that's what they do? The British? Did even make those things in England? Uh, I think maybe. It's owned by an Indian company, right? Tatra? Yeah. Or Tata? Tata. Tata. I I love that truck. I'm still liking it. It's doing that thing that you and I were talking about, how you drive them a little... You know, it's usually the 10-month period where things start to loosen up a little bit, right? The car... Now, the only car I've driven that loosens up in a good way is GT3, where it really comes into its own, as far as the motor and the drivetrain. But... You know, GT3 year three, we talked about the bucket seats that are rattling. Now I've got some noise in the Range Rover. That's I know part of that was the plastic flapping in the back. <laughs> anyway, we have an excellent show today. We're going to do something, Zuckerman, we don't normally do. Uh, lots of folks ask if they can just call into the podcast, and I say, no, I'm not interested in that. I don't want to be some sort of uh, AM radio guy doing scratchy phone calls. However, however, I recently saw this uh, Mission Impossible movie, right? Directed by Chris McQuarrie. Have you, have you seen this thing? No, you told me everything I need to know about the movie. Fallout, right? And it had stunt sequences in it that were getting applause in the movie theater that I was in. Not By the way, full of BMWs, which you're going to like, right? But after, after these sequences, the crowd in L.A., the crowd was applauding, which I don't normally hear, right? Especially in Los Angeles. Well, guess what? The next day, I'm looking at Jalopnik, and I, I read about the guy who's responsible about it. This fella, Justin Westbrook, uh, writes an article with an interview with a with a guy who has the coolest name in show business, Wade Eastwood. Yes. <laughs> and Wade, who uh, is in London, I believe, shooting a movie. He might even be British. We're going to find out everything around. No. He's, he's calling in right now. He's And we're British. going to talk to him about mission impossible fallout and all the stunts he arranged for the show the bmws what he did to that uh, 1986 bmw e28 5 series yes when it comes to technology the difference between consumer grade and business class pcs is just as marked up as it is for commercial flights and for many the upgrade is worthwhile here's the difference a business class device can make for you Many modern consumer-grade processors and mobile operating systems prioritize battery life over processing power. Business-class PCs often offer both better performance and longer battery life, allowing users to work faster and longer while on the road. Every HP Elite PC comes with HP Elite Premium support, providing 24-7, 365 dedicated service from U.S.-based specialists who are dedicated solely to supporting HP Elite products. Business class devices help their users take advantage of their advanced features with free bundled software that is not available or requires an additional purchase on consumer-grade PCs. For example, HP Elite family products come with security software and features that protect at the data, identity, and device levels to help keep proprietary data safe. To create images that have the impact you want as a graphic designer, you need a laptop with high computing power that can handle multiple functions. And when you're searching for a good laptop for graphic design, you have every right to be picky. HP has a go-to choice for graphic designers for years because our powerful laptops combine serious performance with a streamlined user experience. We strive to serve the pros, the beginners, and everyone in between. HP Elite PCs are designed to pass MIL-STD Testing for and are tested for 115,000 hours to HP's own testing standards to help ensure durability. New HP EliteBook 700 Series Notebooks so are also made with Corning Gorilla Glass and a magnesium alloy chassis that's 18 times stronger than plastic. And right now, get an extra 10% off select 8th generation Intel-powered HP PCs with Spike, that's me, until September 17th. When you go to hp.com forward slash spike, that's hp.com forward forward slash s-p-i-k-e you're using promo code spike you're listening to spike's car radio very exciting wade hi it's spike hey how are you
0: he sounds australian No, he's South African. Hey, this is Paul Zuckerman. How are you, Wade?
2: Good, how are you? Good.
0: Get get it together, Spike.
2: It's like Australians, but with culture. Exactly. (laughs) And
0: brains. Don't forget the brains. (laughs) Uh, A a friend of Elon
1: Musk, perhaps?
2: Well, you know, when it suits me.
1: (laughs) When it suits you. Well,
2: um, very nice to meet you. Uh, What are you doing in London right now? I'm filming Men in Black Ah. Redo, a new Men in Black uh, movie with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Excellent. So uh, you are the stunt
1: coordinator and the second unit director for this Mission Impossible Fallout, correct?
2: That's correct.
1: The movie was outstanding, by the way. I I was just telling Zuckerman, uh, the audiences here in Los Angeles were applauding for your sequences.
2: Wow. Do you get that a lot? Um, Well... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I, I, <laughs> is that the first time I you've heard so. that? <laughs> I, hope, I hope we get it. That's the aim at the end of the day.
1: I, I just haven't heard an audience react to a movie like that in quite some time. You know,
2: you, you just don't hear that. But but I, uh, it's I a huge it's the timing, you know. I think the timing is people are just a little sick of the visual, you know, these big visual shows, these CG fests, if you like. And they just want a little bit of real gritty Action and you know, stay with the character and feel the action and feel the pain um, rather than you know, these big sort of computer games that you watch, which are also great, but I think the audience just want a bit of realism every now and then.
1: So, at what point? So, you, you're working with Chris McQuarrie and Tom Cruise. At what point does the stunt coordinator come in and go, You know, I have some ideas, or do you even do that? Do they come to you? Um,
2: yeah, so. I get involved pretty early on. I was on the movie nearly two years, so I get involved in the early script stages with them and um, on a movie like that, and we create, we create together because the action drives the story a lot in a Mission Impossible movie. You know, it's a lot of action in the film. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very much a collaborative effort from the start. I get involved very early on and help write the action sequences uh, with McHugh and with Tom, so it's a great creative process. It's a very sort of fulfilling creative process.
1: Um. Are we you know, here's here's what I'm having trouble understanding though, is uh you know, when you're sitting down, at what point in the script process? You know, is there a script that you then go in? Do they
2: they say cool action sequence here and we'll deal yeah, with that later. <laughs>
1: yeah. Do they really do
2: that? Yeah, it's it's normally <laughs> we have an outline. We have a guide of what we want to do and because okay. we work together quite a lot. We we know you know, we know where we're going with it, but there's, as a guide, as an outline, this is what we need. This is the, you know, this is what we have to achieve. Um, this is the, the mission objective, um, and it's how how we do it. And we don't just create a whole bunch of action for the sake of it. We create a sequence at a time as the story evolves, and then we see where it takes the character. And if it's taken them to a good place, we carry on down that path. If it's taken them to a place it's action for the sake of action. Um, then we bring it back to story and character again and, and try and get keep the emotion and you know, that sort of subjective filmmaking approach and, and take it back along that path. So we, we keep pushing. i push one side, Chris pushes another, Tom pushes another, and together you know, we all seem to push in the same same direction.
1: My, impre- same goal. My impression of Tom seems to be he pushes harder than anybody else. <laughs> oh, okay. <I>, he pushes <laughs> hard.
2: You know, we, we all push hard, though. He's, um, I mean, he's 100%. Um, you know which is what you'd expect from him he's he's just very passionate about it you know he he loves it it's his, it's his life he really loves it he now, loves film now before we get to the bmw
1: sequence were you also in charge of the sequence where he's jumping building to building and he famously
2: missed and broke his ankle yes i was yeah i, I was i did the whole movie so beginning to end yeah, as the, as the um second new director and stunt coordinator so it's you know it's two sides to it you you know you're there on the action and setting camera as well as you there on on the coordination. So, you know, it, it works, it works throughout the whole film. So take, uh, take me through that moment, you know. Yeah, to... that was a, the smallest sort of stunt of the film, if you like. I mean, it was after what we did, I mean, dropping him out of helicopters for real and all sorts of <laughs> things. Nothing was, nothing was fake. Nothing was green screen. Um, so that was by far the smallest stunt. And we've done stuff like that with Tom before. It was, you know, you, you, ha- you have a line obviously to stop you falling to your death and you have another one to stop you hitting, hitting, too hard but making obviously making it, it look like you hit too hard oh my god um but what you can't control are are the limbs you know the limbs uh, are down to the to the person doing it and we did a whole bunch of jumps with it with a double for lining up the cameras and the 30 odd jumps was all fine and three or four with tom which he was great it was really good but he really always wants that extra that extra five percent that extra something he wants the audience to believe that it's not fake like he really is jumping so we're not helping him with assists and we're not giving him little pops with a ratchet and stuff he's he's having to run at that pace to make that jump as if it's for real as if his life really does depend on it and if it's fake you you can act be the best actor in the world but the the audience still see from your body language um so he just we we sort of got it but he just wanted that one more he just wanted to reach and we said just make sure when you reach you, you know you You don't stay reached for too long, because obviously your leg's way out in front of where the body's going to stop, you know?
1: Right, Um, right.
2: um, And he just held it a bit too long, he locked the leg, and same that can happen with a stunt double very easily, but Tom just gives 110% performance, and he was so concentrated on that camera angle, looking at him, and that you know that leap, and having that perfect profile, and if you look at that profile on the shot, I mean, it is the perfect leap, you know, the one leg tied back, the other one fully outstretched, He, he really went for it, 110%, and he just stayed extended that nanosecond too long and it, and it, you know, bent the foot back in a funny angle and, and did that. Um, and it's one of those things, I mean, he was so apologetic afterwards to everyone, but you know, didn't need to be, it was not, it wasn't, it wasn't his fault. He just, you can't blame a guy for giving, you know, 110% every day. So uh, it was, um, yeah, it was good. And also in all fairness, the film needed it. You know, we were bottlenecking on the schedule so badly and we had so much stuff to shoot and um, we really needed a, a little break. I think the, the crew's also <laughs> a bit. yeah, well right from the family time a little 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 and yeah, you know with the family, so we were all more than happy.
1: After he after he plants the landing, he climbs up. He limps away. Was that an authentic
2: limp, or was he acting that limp? No, that was one hundred percent authentic. I mean, <laughs> oh it, geez, because it hurt. You could I was, yeah, was hurting probably, in the audience kind of the, watching it. The talus is a funny bone, you know. I I wouldn't have appreciated the pain as much. I broke my talus on the same job about um, two months prior to Tom. Mine, unfortunately, he reminds me constantly, was on the weekend doing motocross and having fun, not not at work like his. But um, it's the worst bone I've ever broken in my life. The talus, uh, the talus,
0: but the talus oh. is not the funny bone. The funny bone's in your elbow, but the talus is yeah. the funny bone. He was saying it was a funny bone to break, exactly. not
1: the funny bone. Please. Zuckerman is a personal injury attorney, so he deals <laughs> with breaks and injuries. I'm salivating. Was <laughs> not a funny bone
2: to break. There is no fun about breaking it. It's a uh, it's, very little blood flow to it, so yeah. it stays broken a long time, and it's it's a it's a real hard one to heal and to because you're you, all your weights on it every day it's the you know your your main bones from your leg go straight down into the talus and the subtilar joint. so you, it's really difficult and um to to get up i mean i did mine at motocross and i tried to stand and i fell over um Ooh. and he to be able to limp past camera like he did was uh, you know i mean i give him credit where credit's due and there's credit due there it was pretty amazing to this, do that
0: this is fascinating it sounds like for what might have been Ten, some some number of seconds of a jump sequence. So much thought went into how to mechanically pull off this stunt, how the stunt looks, body position, etc. How much time did you spend figuring out this jump sequence?
2: The jump sequence not long at all. You know, we rehearsed the day before with our with the double just to line it up. A few seconds, uh, <laughs> five minutes. It was. I, it was um, I mean, jumping from building to buildings, you um, know job in our business you know um you've got a good team behind you and stuff it's not it's not rocket science mm-hmm. but it's it the different again that the reason missions are the way they are and tom's the way he is is we're not looking at just jumping across a building we could we could have done that in one shot we we really want to take the audience on the journey with us and it's he really pushes for that little bit of detail that how do we keep him engaged so it's not just a stunt it's not just a wide shot of a stunt and mm-hmm. top crews doing a stunt because he doesn't do them just he doesn't do them just to make the papers. He makes the paper enough being Tom Cruise. He doesn't need to do all, the, all, all these stunts. It's not ego driven at all. He he doesn't because he loves them. And if they fit the story, and if they fit the story, he he just wants to do it. So that's where I think Mission and Tom differentiate from others. It's the small details like the perfect body position, you know, and, and that sort of that energy that you you can't fake when you 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 desperately if you were doing that for real, and there's you know a hundred foot below you or something. You're going to be pulling that face and stretching that far to make sure you make that jump. That's for sure. And if you're on a wire and you feel super comfortable and it's like, oh, I've got a little bit of assist, this rigger's jumping on the line or popping the button and he's going to give me the little extra 10 foot jump, you know, it, it, you, you can see it. And um, th- th- I think that's what makes it different.
1: So how – so BMW uh, decides to sponsor this movie, right? They're going to uh, provide all the vehicles. Is that how it works? Because I noticed – I thought I saw some old Land Rovers in there too. Like t- yeah, take us through like the manufacturer deal. Who who puts that together and how is it brought to
2: you? That is um, beyond me. BMW have a relationship um, with Mission Impossible, with the franchise. I'm with Tom. Um the ins and outs of it, I, I'm not. I don't know. All I know is we get lots of really cool BMW M spec toys to play with. Um, and and, and uh, so and you premiered thing. the new
1: M5 in the movie, but it, but the centerpiece scene is this 86 BMW 5 Series, this E28, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, love, so, love, so, love that
2: car, the E28. So how fun- did? But
1: let me just ask you, how did that? How does that car get introduced to script? Is that you doing that? Is it?
2: Did, did it's they- um, it's a collaboration. So the production designer Peter Wenham, who is phenomenal, um, he's also a bit of a petrol head, a bit of a car nut. Mm-hmm. So he, he like, you know, he he starts looking at pictures of cars and things that the, the design wise fit into the film. Um, and because obviously it's action based, and I'm an absolute car nut too. I you know I race cars and stuff. So we had a close relationship looking at cars. And he bought the E28. He bought a whole bunch of cars, and then he bought the E28 in, and, and I was like. It has to be this car. I mean, this was a car <laughs> produced only in, in that era, Germany and South Africa. and South Africa, where I'm from, right? I remember it being launched. It was an absolute epic car, a drift car. It was, it was just great, bulletproof. So I'm like, we've got to do it. And it came in this like weird green, and everyone was like, yeah, well, we just, we here's the colors. We're going to spray it in, and, and I was like, don't, don't touch it. Just show McHugh this color because against the cobble streets in Paris and the textures of the buildings and the lead doming and all the stuff that you get in those old cities. Just leave it as it is and let him see. And the cube wow. looked up straight away and was like, this this is a great color, great car. Especially when you put all those guys in it. I mean, it's hilarious.
1: And, and did you didn't modify it in any way? I mean, I'm sure you modified things for stunts. But when I saw the wheel spin and the drifting, like you're talking about, I thought, well, they've done something to the engine. or they've no, <laughs> Nothing.
2: Nothing. We just made sure it was, you know, service, made sure it was running nicely and cleaned it all up. Um, and is Tom dri- doing the drifts? Tom does everything, a hundred percent. I mean, we, we, we did his drifting on Rogue Nation. You know, we really took it to another level with the M3s. And mm-hmm. uh, Tom's, a, you know, great car guy. He can race, and he's he's very quick. But drifting's a different art. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I have a quite a drifting background through my work. So I taught him drifting on Rogue Nation, and he just got better and better and better. And he got so precise with his drifting um, that he was so safe around camera crews and people on set that we could put cameras in much better dynamic you know positions because we knew that he he was always going to hit his marks and be safe so with mission six with fallout we just picked up where we left off on rogue nation um, and took it to another level obviously the e28 the older m5 has a slightly different body role and different you know different mannerisms um so i put him on really unique little twisty circuits um almost go-kart track circuits um, and try to get him really used to the body roll of the car and th- weight transfer and shift. And he got it straight away. He just adapted to where he was with the M3. Um, and then, yeah, everything you see on that movie is Tom, whether it's driving, riding bikes, skydiving, helicopter flying. It, there's, there's no cheating at all, ever. <laughs>
1: Wait, and and uh, what about – how many cars did you use for that scene, the 5 Series? I can't
2: remember. I think it was – about five or six.
1: Were they all that? Did you find all the same color? Or did you paint the other no. five the same color? Yeah, no, we
2: painted the other five to match. <laughs> oh, you did.
1: And were those cars? Could we buy those cars? Are those available? <laughs>
2: I've been wanting to buy them too, actually, because <laughs> I think the process, the shares the price is going up.
1: Yeah, I mean they're so cool, and you know, because it, 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 it instantly I started thinking of just historic film sequences with cars, like the Bullet Mustang, and and this car for me slots right into that category because of that scene. You know what? You know, again, where I was sitting out at the Grove with my family on a Saturday watching this movie, the theater went nuts at the end of the sequence. They went crazy. Applauding Zuckerman, tourists applauding for a BMW 5 Series. And you
2: mocked me when I bought one. <laughs> I, well, I'm Look still mocking how you. Funny it was, you know. I, um, it, it, I mean, it, it's a, it's a great car. It's bulletproof. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and then the new M5 as well. I have got to do all the drifting in the new M5 and that, you know, the ready controlled scene when it's being driven in. You know, mm-hmm.
1: do they give um, you? Do they give you cars? Do you get a free car for doing all this for them? Me? No, I
2: don't. Oh, come on, let's
0: renegotiate. This <laughs> is <don't>. unacceptable. <laughs>
2: I used to get bikes um, from them Um, and then um, I got Triumph who's an amazing brand have uh, come forward with a uh, just a just very great great company you know Triumph the new bikes the new Speed Triple and you know they're just making some great bikes so uh, I just yeah trying them for a while. Um, let me ask you about the uh,
1: the next best sequence, which had my head kind of sc- uh, scratching. I, I've now read about this, and I kind of know how you did it, but uh, the BMW R9T sequence in Paris, where mm-hmm. you're uh, flying – where Tom is flying around on that motorcycle uh, under around the Arc de Triomphe, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. While there are cars spinning around. Now, first of all, the, the R9T – it. It looked like a scrambler, but it was colored like an R19 Pure. It had the gray exactly. gas tank.
2: Yeah, so I'm, in a, I'm a bike nut too. I love my bike. So it was originally going to be a different bike. And because we've done on Rogue Nation, we did the sports bike, you know, with the RR, and we've done all that. Mm-hmm. I, I really felt that it could be something a bit more urban. Get Tom, this body position, a little more upright. And, and, and just be a little – just had that real look. To it, you know, that, that again with the cobbled streets and being in Paris and with the green of the M5. And so, I got um, when we first came, we had Peter Wenham just sort of match it almost to this sort of old, old look, exactly like you said, and the tr- old triumphy look as well. And we sort of made a little hybrid of it. And it, it just, um, the bike was great. I mean, yeah, it's it, sick.
1: Now, now the now, the sequence. <laughs> When I was watching it I went, Wow, that's great CGI, because it really looks like Tom Cruise is riding this motorcycle between three hundred cars at a very high speed. But I know what he's about to say, Zuckerman. It was <laughs> he, him. It was him doing it and it's uh and it's insane. Yeah, it's so how yeah, do you how do you pull that one off? You're you're in a location that somehow you're locking down a very difficult to lock down location. How long do you have
2: the Arc de Triomphe to shoot your movie with? So we had very, very strict (laughs) uh, guidelines with the Arc de Triomphe and it was amazing (laughs) because we were there, you know, watching the sunrise. I remember I was sitting on a bench waiting for the sunrise and as stressful as it was, it has to make you smile. I mean, you're in the middle of Paris, you're about to own the Arc de Triomphe for an hour and it's awesome. It it was incredible actually. The pictures are phenomenal from that morning, but um, yeah, so basically we had an hour, Um, I'd I have my team of drivers that I use, stunt drivers, and I also have a team of um, racing drivers that I use. And um, so I got all the guys together, and I had. Uh, Wait, I now, can I that. just
1: interrupt you right there? Your team of drivers, how many drivers yeah. was that?
2: 70? 80? Uh, 70, 85 or something. I think 85.
1: I
0: had a the There, there uh, needs to be a documentary of just <laughs> filming this scene.
2: Yeah, how do
1: you have 85 drivers that you know in Paris to get up at 4 in the morning? Who, oh, no, who are had, these guys? I had, um,
2: I had some from Paris. I had loads from England and oh, South Africa and all over really? the place. I had all racing drivers from everywhere and stunt drivers from everywhere. So they, so so what they I, were, so they like were a- all
1: race drivers and stunt drivers or there were no like yes. uh, teenage extras who were just at Central Casting?
2: No teenage action. Okay. It's a call,
0: like in the Fast and Furious. Right. The call goes out for the for the drivers. Could Zuckerman?
1: Could Zuckerman and I have been driving in that sequence? Can we get on this list? You'll ha- you'll have to pass the test. All right, fair enough. So <laughs> so continue. So how do you? So so you know. Obviously, the goal is do not kill Tom Cruise. Please do not get yes. in Tom Cruise's way. Eighty-five drivers at five in the morning. How, how do you pull that off?
2: So we had the they gave us the arc at a certain time, and what I've designed is that all the drivers will do a um, circles, you know, so we'll have an inner circle, a middle circle, and outer circle, and they will go into their circles and do the same rotation. So no stopping. So full tanks of fuel, you know, bottle of water in the car. They're not stopping, and they're going to do certain speeds. Each circle is going to do certain speeds because, you know, with the shot, the way the tighter you get, the speeds look more intense. The wider you get, you need slightly, you know, faster speeds to match. So Everyone was setting their speeds and then certain cars were set with lane changes. Um, and this, this system, I just ran for a solid hour. So we, I never called cut. <laughs> I, I never broke the guys. They just did it for a solid hour. Tom would then enter that system, do the shot and exit that system like a, like a wheel. And he would go and they'll check the shot. They would, you know, have some water, coffee, whatever they wanted to do, come back in and do it again. And we'd do as many takes we, as we wanted, but the driver's, never change rhythm so that Tom could get used to exactly. So if he entered a certain time, he knows that this corner of that car is going to pull out in front. This one's going to do that. So it's not boring. So it's not just cars going around and around with no changing in lanes and no nothing, you know? So that that's how I did it.
1: Did anybody get dizzy just driving in a circle for an hour? You're talking about one straight hour
2: in a circle. At what speed? Oh, different speeds, you know, 30 mile an hour, 40 mile an hour, whatever it is, 60 mile an hour. but. Um, so I no bathroom breaks for anybody. Nice. Just get in the car and go. It might, 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 must not be a nice boss because I actually never stopped to ask <laughs> if anyone got busy. You, what, there, really? I, just, I just
0: want to know, how did you become the Mission Impossible guy? Where did you start
1: and how do you get to this place well, where you're
0: running Mission he Impossible? He also races
1: Formula 3. But but it's a very he, good point because you know we're talking – you know, when you think of stunts, you go, well, that's easy. But it's not. It's skydiving. It's holding on to ha- the side of airplane, It's jumping
0: from building to did building. You, did you raise your hand in second grade and say, I want to be <laughs> a stunt coordinator?
1: How does this I, happen? I think it's because I
2: didn't raise my hand in second grade that I became one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Where do you start with? But this yeah, career? but so, but I think Zuckerman—he brings up a question that I've been wanting to ask you too. When you get to into an area that you don't have expertise, you know, how how do you handle that? Like, has there been a stunt in this series where you go, you know what, clinging to sides of uh, military transport planes is something I really haven't trained to do? So, you know, how but do I you think- approach a stunt like that?
2: I think what makes a good. um, stunt coordinator and then and or second year director is if you've been versatile in your career and um, you know I've always loved action and extreme sport and growing up in South Africa in an outdoor environment and you know now California I've always been into I've never I wanted to always be able to do everything I I wanted to be able to drive a tank fly a plane fly a helicopter (laughs) it's just the way I was from a kid I've always wanted to be able to do everything so for me I haven't Come to terms with. It. I haven't had a sequence presented to me yet that I haven't had some sort of knowledge and I've been able to do. You know, I'm a helicopter pilot and a fixed wing pilot, and uh, you know, I drive tanks and buses and trucks and motorbikes and and all that. So there's there's nothing really that in the movie climbing or otherwise that I can't have an opinion on or or, or base you know base my opinion on and creating the action. So if it did come up, I'm sure that I would then have to bring a specialist in, but. I haven't had to. I mean, with the halo sequence, um, I'm a sport jumper, so I haven't really jumped at 25,000 feet plus. Wow. So I brought in my military skydiving team that I've used, God, for years since the old Tomb Raider days and everything. Um, Alan, who's fantastic, I brought him in um, just to make sure that we were correct on all the equipment, making sure the oxygen was right, the lighting and the helms, everything was tested and to, that, to that military standard for doing halo jumping. So... Um, again, that's beyond my sort of fifteen thousand foot sport jumping heights. What is I'm what is
1: how does H- halo jumping different than just jumping out of an airplane skydiving?
2: Well, you need oxygen. Above oh, a oh right, right, okay. You, okay. So that's gotta, the... you know, you gotta, yeah, and you know we're doing yes. it's nighttime jumping is is a whole uh-huh. bunch of different elements to it, and uh, you know Tom and the main actor doing it and stuff. So I just wanted to make sure that everything was was, was correct and not just what I what i think would happen about that height
1: you know i was watching tom with james corden they did a little piece on james corden show where he he, they take james skydiving and all the jokes are james corden being afraid no please and as i'm watching it and i'm laughing i'm like this is really amazing amazing little bit of business for a late night show i'm watching i'm starting as just tom cruise cruising down just fine doing all these jokes flying around the air flying around james corden and again i'm going wait wait what what am i looking at here Tom Cruise really knows how to do this. He's so comfortable up in the air. He's turning on his back. He's kicking up his legs. Have you seen this, Zuckerman? I have not.
2: It's shocking so how good is. he is. I think it's the funniest um, thing that's been on for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's quite a bit. It's locked, that loud. I actually watched part of it here in in, in in Warner Brothers. We're here in London. I watched part of it and in, in FaceTime and sent videos to, to Tom <laughs> about it and it was just so we could share it with the team because you know he's very fond of my on my stunt team and they've been with me a long time it's like a big family so it it was we laughed like uncontrollably watching that do you uh does tom have a ford gt by any chance uh does he have a ford gt Uh, uh,
1: (laughs) i heard a rumor he bought john cena's ford
2: gt (laughs) we've been trying to track that car down for a while he might have. He might have it. I know he's got a nice Shelby. He's got some. Ni- he's got some nice little yeah, things. He's, he's not. Some... Yeah, he's got a nice, a few little things tucked away. I think he's not a big show guy. You know.
1: Right, right. Of course. No, he's just diving out of airplanes and movies. Exactly. <laughs> we got to get him to come in here, Zach. And we got to get Tom to come in here and talk about cars. It would be awesome. All right. I have a couple more questions, and then I'm going to let you go. Um, you know, I was going through your resume and looking all uh, at all the movies uh, that you've. Uh, been a stunt coordinator for, very impressive, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, The Mummy, uh, great movies. But then a few that I went, well, why do you need a stunt coordinator for Marmaduke?
2: <laughs> so, well, I'm a stunt coordinator on Marmaduke. What, uh, bridesmaids. Were bridesmaids, you? yeah, it was. Um, I did, um, it was great fun. The, the producer was a friend of mine. He's like, <laughs> oh, we got a scene with some cars screeching around, and then she falls over in the street, and there's a whole bunch of little stuff. It was small stuff. It was like, I was in LA at home, it was like, Go down for the weekend, two days here, three days there. Set it up; it was it's a pleasure because there's no work. There's not a lot of work in LA, you know. It's all right,
1: um, right. It's so, all so, but, but for, just Center, so. for bridesmaids, you're just helping them with little falls here and there, and how to how to do execute those,
2: how to make it cool so it looks like the cars and you know going to run her over, and it's jeopardy, and it's comedy, and it's fun. And how do we do it? Mm-hmm. It's like you know, go in there for a week or something and do, set up some stuff. It's 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 a pleasure. You know, I'm not I'm not because I do Mission Impossibles and stuff. It doesn't. I'm not suddenly, you know, too big or too proud that I can't have a do a fun comedy or a fun show or you know I I do what I do fun stuff I just like I love my job. Sure. Yeah, that's well,
1: Bridesmaids too. is a great movie. I just didn't remember big stunts in it. Um, before I uh, let you go, I, I want to hear about Men in Black, which is one of my favorite franchises. My kids love this franchise. I'm guessing it's this is a big
2: reboot. Who do we have starring in it? So this is Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. There you go oh. from Westworld. Yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, Chris is hilarious. Yeah. I mean, off camera, he's hilarious. He's just a great guy. So, um, super cool guy. And Tess is lovely too. Uh, yeah, it's good energy. You know, they've got great, great energy together and it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Wow. And, and when are we going to see that
1: film? I think it's uh, next summer. All right. Fantastic. Well, Wade. Thank you so much for uh, calling in. By the way, <clears throat> first person ever to call into Spike's Car Radio. That's how important you are and how much we wanted <laughs> to chat with you. Perfect. <clears throat> um, let All right, man. Thank you. you. Nice to hear from you. Thank you. And you Bye. We'll talk to you later. You know what? Everybody has a favorite pair of jeans. The pair that fits perfectly and always looks great. The pair you wear out at night. At home, on the couch, at work, wherever. The pair I'm wearing right now to podcast. They're the go-to, do not underestimate their importance, pair of pants. No one knows this better than Wrangler, the authority on jeans. Using their expertise in comfort and durability and applying it to a new line of modern fits and styles, Wrangler jeans are made for the modern-day adventurers, the go-getters, folks who like to keep moving. Whether you ride a bike, a bronc, or a skateboard, or you're the type who walks the earth in search of something, these... ...are the jeans for you. Classic or modern styles, a range of fits at a price that works for you. Vintage re-releases. Wrangler has something for everyone. And don't forget the iconic patch in our stitched W American icons for over 70 years. Visit Wrangler.com and check out the great selection of jeans, shirts, pants, outerwear... ...for men and women. I wear these pants. I love them. Wrangler. Denim made for the modern world. Also, ladies and gentlemen, while we're we're talking... Uh, this isn't really an ad, but uh, if you're going to be up in uh, Monterey for Pebble Beach Concours, um, I'm hosting a Pebble Beach Concours Classic. Boy, a lot of words in that. Well, Forum, uh, a special episode of Spikes Car Radio. We're taping it live up there on Saturday, August 25th at 1.30 with... Big-time TV star and former uh, NFL player, Michael Strahan. And I know what you're thinking. You're going, boy, I didn't know Michael Strahan was a collector. Well, guess what? He is. He's got a ton of cars. And here's the good news, Will. I've got five pair of tickets. Five pair of tickets. I'm not going to give you these tickets if you're not going to be up in Monterey, August 24th and 25th. But if you are there... Message me on Instagram at at Spike Ferriston, and the first five people asking for a pair of tickets to see me and Michael Strahan. Break it down for an hour. You'll go for free. You're listening to Spike's Car Radio. That was Wade, uh, Wade Eastwood, Eastwood. Shoot him up. Stunt coordinator for Mission Impossible Fallout. Um, and boy, he just made that BMW 5 Series nuts. You don't have that car, right? I have a five, not the new one. I <laughs> no, have the 86. E tw- the 86. I
0: have an E28 5 Series. And when you saw it, you looked at me and said "Why?" and mocked me. What year do you have? 88. Really? Yes. Wh- where is this car? It's have the I driven black it? One. You sat in it. You mocked <clears> me. It was in the. It was in the hangar. But it doesn't look like this car. Well, it's not green. It's black. The only difference I don't know is, that I know this car. The only difference is yeah. that it's got the U.S. diving board safety bumpers mm-hmm. on it. So probably the one in the movie, which I'll admit to not seeing. You know what? There were no your,
1: interior shots let, that I that I can recall. Can you show me? Is it there on your... Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, there's, the, there's the car right there. Yeah.
0: That's the car I have.
1: Oh, my God. That's the car I have. Silly. I'm going to go hoon that thing around uh, Central it's City right now. The, it,
0: it's, <laughs> got, it's got about 300 horsepower. <clears throat> So it's got some oomph. You got to put your foot into it to get it cooking. But the way they balance those cars pre pre computer nannies is so brilliant. They handle so well.
1: Yeah, Look at I'm that. showing Zuckerman some shots. You, I can't believe. <clears throat> I wonder if I can just find the sequence for you to watch because you you know it's. You're a busy man. But you should really go see this movie. This movie will
0: make you BMW crazy. The thought of going to the Grove, to parking in that (laughs) parking lot, to being with a crowd of other (laughs) zombies online, getting getting your ticket,
1: getting popcorn, getting to a seat. Well, you do that with an app. You don't have to buy your ticket anymore. I don't see that's how long it is. I don't, I don't, just don't go. I don't want to go. And they have a valet, they have a very nice valet there.
0: I don't want to go to the Grove. I don't want to go to the farmer's market. I don't want to be there. I had a very nice time. I had Fairfax, a very nice time. Fairfax between Third and Beverly is not a place I want to be.
1: Oh, he's so grumpy. He's yeah, so grumpy. I'm an old
0: man. Um, what haven't we talked about? Well, Zuckerman. I'm going to tell you. I saw last night. I watched uh, the Smoking Tire, and I and I rarely watch anything. Matt Matt ha- uh, Ferris. Yes, show. Matt Ferris show yeah. with you and him doing the Carrera. <clears throat> oh, that's right. Versus the uh, GT3 T, and I want to say. That was a really good show, oh, and I'm, thank you. I'm very impressed. You and Farron do very well together. He is he is very fluent. Um, he's, he is a font of knowledge. He is. You're,
1: you're very good too. The, and I like to make fun of him while he's doing that. Well, you, <laughs> you guys look like such an odd couple in the car together. <laughs> and, uh, I'll tell you something. He was driving our GT3T very fast, I could very tell. quick around and, those and turns. And that's what I was, was going to say to you.
0: The way he has the camera set up uh, with inside and with a spot where there are two outside cameras and one in each mm-hmm. direction, you really get. The notion of speed, and I—I I think he can drive.
1: Okay, let me let me break down uh, the, the 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 stunt coordinating for and that. second unit directing <laughs> for what you just said. Okay, any of the exterior shots where you see cars driving—that's me. Really? Yeah, I'm driving the car at that point, Matt. Uh, you know, and I—I don't—I'm I, I, not sure I can share his uh, video craft or not. I'm, I'm not sure he'd even care. Because it's just the two of us out there, and he does this while he's by himself, we're on this long, deserted road. He he said, all right, I'm going to set the camera up. He's done this a thousand times. It was so great because we shot this video in under two hours. He goes, I'm going to put the camera here. He doesn't even tell me that. He just goes, I want you to drive this way, out fast, back once, back twice, one, two, three, four, like that, and then come back. And he goes, just don't run over my camera, but get as close to it as you want, like Tom Cruise. And drive as fast as you want. So all of those shots where the cars are moving, that's me pulling out of the dirt and coming around. There's, and I—and by the way, in the article, he wrote that I was over all the time. I didn't. I over once. once. You didn't even over And I just – and I was doing it because I wanted to touch nine for a little while because that's what he was asking me to do. I right. just went, no, no. I am like you. I
0: like to be in the power band. I like to have the RPMs up a little bit. I like right. to be able to have instant horsepower and torque on command. And I personally think that um these GT3 engines and Porsche engines are designed for higher RPMs. You're not driving a Mustang, you're not driving a big Chevy. No. So, um I thought it was I thought it was really fantastic. I, I could see you guys like that Carrera T. Would you do you think that that's a buy at say 115? Yeah,
1: rate? that's your daily. If you really need kind of a race car light like Porsche car to to feel uh that you have something that's different than just your normal 911 that's that's your daily. You want to shift some gears, you want to drive it. <clears throat> it's a little squirrely in turns and it's and it's up higher. You would notice it right away. It's uh, the suspension's higher and the, when you turn in you don't have as much uh hold in in turns. So, but that's not what daily driving is about, right? right. You've got something really fun to take to work and take home. I, I, I loved it. I just I, didn't like the color red. That, that uh, you know, you just, in red. Yeah, you know, you and like red. your car. I know you're a
0: dickweed. So <laughs> so because I, I drove a Carrera S, <clears> the <throat> 2018 Carrera S uh, down to Mexico over the weekend, <clears throat> and again that car is set up a little higher. It's not handling at all like a gt3 mm-hmm. um so I'm, I'm sure it's it's somewhat similar to that <clears throat> do you think that there is an argument that that car is going to hold value well how many did they make i do not that know. would be the big question but no ne- you know it, it's got less horsepower could you feel that it was that it had a base
1: engine in the it T. yeah um it, it's got enough to have fun it's not it's not thrilling i don't know you, you, you know spoiled. what I mean? What, we're spoiled. Right, exactly. There, there are very few cars that I go, oh, <laughs> I better be careful. McLaren's kind of make me do that, right? The GT2 RS is going to do that for sure. Cars like that, Carrera GTs, the, those are the ones you go, okay, I need to respect this animal, yes. learn how to drive it. And if I'm if I am careless, I'm going to die in this thing, right? right? The Carrera T doesn't do that. It's fun. It's a fun car. You, the,
0: when you guys were in the GT3T – Yes. that made me want to buy five <laughs>
1: Why? it's
0: so exciting to see you guys driving it, to see your reaction to hear the noise as it's passing approaching and and coming back it's yeah. really
1: it's that was very good you know filming. you know and you know what he left out of the video of course, which was one person died in the making of that video. <laughs> A guy jumped off a bridge after we were done shooting. Oh, we talked about that. <clears throat> Remember, that was the day.
0: Oh God! And I laughed because I, I can't get my head, my, my mind around the fact that he parked his truck at the bridge. Whoever he, this was, this whoever poor this soul. poor soul was, and he said to the construction workers, "Hi." He and said then, hi, and then jumped off. And I keep thinking, how how the dissonance of what that experience for the construction workers. A man says hello, and then offs himself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then he jumps. And then he jumps. I uh, I was texting Matt yesterday about uh, that uh, and the video and thanking him for involving me. And uh, he said uh, – I think I told you this. He was pulling into his house and he went, oh, fuck. That <laughs> <laughs> what? He goes, oh, the garbage truck broke my ring camera again. I'm like, the garbage truck or his security camera. He's got one of those security yeah. cameras over his door that has that's it, on a little uh, g- a clamp or a bracket and then the camera looking down. And I'm like, dude, well, that means you've got some good video. Send me the video. Send it's the, the best video. video I've seen. makes and me so happy. He goes, it's the second time that's happened. I go, second? I go, all right, well, put Zuckerman on this thread. We're going to sue the city. I just like it's like. – Isn't a bu- it the funniest video? It is. It's like a fuck you from the garbage man. So you see – what you see is just the, the camera is pointing out to the street. And you see the green garbage truck pull up and its claw reach out and it lifts the garbage can right in front of the camera and it empties the garbage. But then as it comes down holding the garbage can, it just goes and hits that camera and then the camera swings and goes down. It's a very, very satisfying image. I immediately told Matt, "Why is this not on your social media? That you versus the garbage man is the, is one of the greatest battles. I think you could. I mean, I, I would rather see that comparison than the GT three. <laughs> I would like to see this fight progress. And I I know. Come on, there's no way that guy is doing that by mistake because Matt said he did it once, right? He then okay. called the city and then filed a claim and never heard surprisingly, yeah. never heard anything. This is what happens But when I'll you, bet you that guy heard about it, right? Th- this and then this is he's what happens, like, I'm gonna do
0: this every week. Yeah, because when you don't tip the garbage man at Christmas, <laughs> this is what this is what happens to you. When I was a kid, my father forgot to tip the garbage man one year. Right. And he used to throw <laughs> the garbage man would come – this is when we had pails and they jump yeah. off the back and he would fling the garbage pails. All over the place, and my father every week would be cursing about the garbage man oh. not not leaving the pails where he was supposed to.
1: Yeah, no, we well we have good garbage men here in L.A. Now, I remember they used to stop for the kids and let the you know do all the garbagey things for them. And then my kids used to make me go to the garbage uh, dump open house. Have you ever done that with little kids? It's a hor- It's always in the middle of July, and it's always a hundred degrees. You know, and wait, you're walking into a sanitation zone, so it just stinks, and it's all of these really unhappy parents and really happy kids and they could give them little garbage cans and
0: this is one of the saddest moments of my life i've told you the story i think wow when i was this listen when i was five yep my aunt irene came to me and said what do you want to be when you grow up right and i said i want to be a garbage man because <laughs> i wanted to be on the back of the truck jumping you, you are a yes. garbage man and zuckerman she started screaming at me screaming at me take it back take it back you're going to be a doctor or a lawyer going to be a doctor or a lawyer and she called for my mother my mother ran into the room to see what the shrieking was about and and Aunt Irene was screaming at me tell your mother what you said tell your mother what you said and and I said and and I had to confess that I wanted to be a garbage man and then berated for for having such a dream
1: well there you heard it folks fucked me up for life when Zuckerman was five he came out as a garbage man And I gave him corrective therapy (laughs) and turned him into a lawyer. And it worked. It worked. But and you could be a garbage man right now, Zuckman. I you could just be your true self if you wanted to be. Well, if I, if I
0: would, actually what I want to be right now is the valet parker. I'm going to retire and that's going to be my hobby because I can't stand the way people park their cars. Do you know cars. what my
1: version of that is? I, by the way, that was a great job. You know what you're doing every day and it's easy to accomplish. You get it done. I wanted to be the guy that drove the road grader. You know what the road oh, grader yeah, is? is? Tearing that, up the... Yeah. yeah, it has that big plow right in the center yes. of it. That to me was either that or the guy on the Back, back of, of the, the fire, fire truck. truck yeah the steering the back that was it right steering in the by back. the way I would still do those jobs <laughs> I would steer the back I, as long as I can keep my podcast and talk to all of you at home and at work and on the road I'll, I'll take that job as a, a run in the you road to you gotta figure at this it point me. they would have a
0: computer that can drive the back of the truck I'll but people I'm, I just figure that they love it so much yeah they're not giving it up like no. the pole
1: it's not really the best system, but Porsche did adopt it in their <laughs> GT3s and had it controlled by a little computer. And now we've got that, rear steer. Look at that. All right. Maybe that's where it was inspired. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we've had, a, we've had an odd little podcast here. We had our first little phone call. We talked to the Mission Impossible fellow, Wade Eastwood. Wade, thank you so much for chiming in. We've learned a lot about Tom Cruise. Tell, okay. You what? have to give what I think is the most
0: important fact of Mission Impossible 6. Okay. Tom
1: Cruise at his age. Yes, tell everybody. Okay, this is a this is a, a really insane stat. But um, Wilfred Brimley was younger th- when he made Cocoon. <laughs> was younger than Tom Cruise when he made this latest Mission Impossible. Wilfred Brimley that. was fifty, fifty-one, or and fifty-two, looked 100. and looked a hundred. And <laughs> looked a hundred. And Tom Cruise who just made Mission Impossible Six. I think he's fifty-six. Yeah. So think about that, ladies and gentlemen. This has been Spike's Car Radio. Uh, We'll see you next week. Real quick before we go, if you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for. But what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing... True price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for for the same car you want And your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Thanks for listening to Spike's Car Radio. Download new episodes every Wednesday on the Podcast One app or subscribe now at Apple
0: Podcasts or PodcastOne.com. From the mind of Martellus Bennett. Once you pass 21, your birthdays are done. It's Revenge of the Jocks on Podcast One. Once you pass
2: 23, you can't take me to Benihana's. A
0: no-holds-barred show about all the things that shape our world and culture. I want to go to Africa. I've never been. I want to go full Jumanji. I'm Robin Williams and Jumanji. Jumanji. I think that's like in South America, though. Revenge of the Jocks with Martellus Bennett. It's like trying to have sex the first time and getting it all wrong. I think I'll keep trying. (laughs) On Podcast One and wherever you listen to
2: podcasts.